Okay, guys, bang, bang, bang. This is Alternative Data News. I'm Aubrey Hodges. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Alternative Data News. I'm uh, pretty excited about my guest today. He's doing some incredible things in the alternative data space focused on the point of sale area, formerly of uh, Investment Technology Group, where he was the head of West Coast Sales, then later went on to spearhead business development at Knowledge Leaps. And currently he is the co-founder and chief revenue officer of DECA Data, which is bringing POS data to the alternative data and external data space. Chris Antipa, welcome to the show. Aubrey, thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate you, uh, you know, kind of reaching out and, and, and coordinating this. And then also, you know, of course, uh, you know, kind of the work that you're doing in, in the sector in general. Absolutely. Chris, I've got to say, you know, really pleased that you brought the, uh, the San Francisco weather over to New York with you. It's about 57 degrees and, uh, and pretty, you know, pretty, uh, pretty chilly outside. So I'm going to credit all that to you. Yeah, well, I left it there with me because um, it was pretty bacon when I was there. So uh, it was a little change of change of pace for me. So I'm glad to have brought uh, brought the fog with me uh, and cool yeah. things down there. Absolutely, much appreciated. So I want to um, I want to dive into things. You know, you, you came over to New York recently um, to do a number uh, do a number of meetings. Um, and I'm really curious to uh, to know, you know, what that experience was like. You know, first time walking into a, you know, uh, an office building after you know 15 months on the sideline. You know, getting your pass, going up, meeting your 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 host for the day. You know, do, do you guys you know kind of just wave? Do you do the the fist bump? Do you do the handshake? Do you do you do the handshake and the man hug with the pat on the back? You know, what what was that experience like? Yeah, it was kind of a combination, you know, is like you said, I mean, it was the first time being uh, traveling for business and whatnot for, for an extended period of time. And, and, and I felt fortunate to be able to pull together what was a pretty, um, pretty good schedule of, of meetings and, and whatnot over the course of a few days or earlier this week. And, you know, I mean, New York is coming back, um, you know, obviously not having been been there for, for a period of time. Um, you know, we've, we've heard things and just like San Francisco's got its challenges now with kind of people you know, escaping the, uh, the, the cities and, and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, no, it was, all my meetings were, were you know, lobbies, uh, coffees, lunches, dinners, cocktails. Uh, you know, most firms have got some protocols in place about uh, in-person meetings at this stage of the game. And so it was, you know, my, my idea was, you know, meet with people on the terms that make it easiest for them. Uh, and, you know, it seems like, you know, the, the handshakes, fist bumps, hugs were, were, were flowing. So um, you know, everybody's in, in, in good shape uh, moving forward, I think, and, and looking, looking, uh, looking to the future for sure. Great, great. Uh, I, I want to spend some minutes sort of diving into your background. Could you, could you just spend a, a few minutes talking through how did you get involved in alternative data and what was the decision-making process to bring point of sale, you know, data to, to the market to help, you know, people sort of problem solve for some of the questions that they were trying to figure out. Yeah, for sure. And I'll try to keep it be brief, but, um, you know, my background has always been in financial services. I was a trader for many years, market maker, um, you know, both on the prop side and, and, um, 
and then kind of transition in my role at ITG. You know, if you think about just kind of bringing modernization of, of, of markets toolkit to uh, buy side clients, whether it's algo trading, uh, you know, just different portfolio trading tools, whether it's front end or, uh, you know, transaction cost analysis toolkit, that's obviously very important into the ecosystem today. Um, but while I was at ITG, you know, uh, ITG had acquired Majestic Research now and Science, right? And so, um, when I would be engaging with the research sales folks and taking them around to clients, systematic of nature, the, the underlying request was always for access to the raw data that was feeding the research um, there. And so fast forward, you know, ITG had its, its own, own little problems, um, you know, both on the regulatory front and, and some other things and you know, kind of facilitated some change in management. So I was subsequently, um, you know, looking for new opportunities as, as they kind of uh, downsize their their operations. So unfortunately, I was a, you know, a victim of that. But that said, uh, I started doing some consulting work with with a friend, um, and he had started a, a data analytics company, uh, Knowledge Leaps. And as we were kind of unpacking all the different things that Knowledge Leaps does um, on the analytics side, specifically with retailers, um, you know, I was kind of blown away to see that we had access to exactly that, the raw transaction data of, you know, kind of the, the retailers that we were working with. So the light, you know, the proverbial light bulb goes off in your head. Well, listen, let's, let's kind of start a data business to um, help supplement the revenue stream of our retailers. Um, and then obviously create a, a business in this, you know, quote unquote, external alternative data space. Really interesting. Okay. And so, you know, fast forwarding, you know, you, you, you go on from doing the consulting, unpacking the data on the retail side, you, you saw something, you know, in that business model where, you know, you, uh, you, you decided in 2018 to really start, you know, DECA data, um, you know, with a partner, I presume, um, did you, did you start the company and go out and, and raise capital um, did you self-fund it? Really curious about that process because I think it's helpful for you know entrepreneurs and people starting you know their own data companies uh, to know what the the roadmap and experience have been like for for other entrepreneurs um, across the industry. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so no, we have um, you know it's kind of funny we've we've uh, in in our personal networks and whatnot we've got some VC relationships and and you know we're in San Francisco right so uh, you know not too far to the the darlings of Silicon Valley etc um, so we 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 actually are rare you know we're we're self funding at this stage of the game um, and I, and ironically we're actually funding with like real revenue <laughs> so um, when you go and talk to a VC these days that that's they're, they they kind of are taking it back and um, you know, are pretty excited about kind of like what the potential looks like down the road in, in that regards. But, you know, I guess, you know, kind of taking a step back and saying, okay, well, what advice would I give to somebody? You know, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is I think you have to talk to as many people um, as you can, you know, the idea of building a product and I mean, it's product development one-on-one uh, to a certain extent, right? You know, you don't, don't build a product in a vacuum. So talk to a lot of different people, you know, kind of vet out the opportunities. Um, and, and, and so that's kind of exactly what we did, right? So we, we started talking to some, some people that, that I knew. I felt fortunate to have some relationships with some, some of my longstanding clients where I would go and sit down and say, hey, listen, this is what exactly what we have access to. And, you know, they, they were, they provided some good feedback about uh, a direction that we should kind of head down. Um, and, you know, so we built our first data project in late 2018 and then quickly realized and learned um, that, you know, we need to 
to supplement that with additional um, data sources and um, you know do some extra work as far as kind of data history and, and and things of that nature. So I mean it was it was definitely an evolution uh, process and 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 I would say just you know the, the advice that I would give to people is be excited about what you're doing and, and don't be uh, reluctant to talk to folks. Um, so and I think that there's yeah. at, at times there's a, a that's a that's a natural concern I think that that people have is like you know I better keep super super close to the vest. Um, and I, and I would say just in general, in this particular sector, the, you know, quote unquote, all data sector, people seem to be very receptive, um, to helping each other out. So, um, it's, it's, it's actually quite refreshing. Um, I don't, you know, I'm reticent to use the word collaboration because, you know, coming from a financial services background, collaboration is a bad word. Um, but in, in this particular area, I think that there, you know, people are willing to help each other out where there's not super clear lines of you know competitive disadvantage that they'd be doing uh, giving it to themselves by by helping firms out and you know there's a, a, an air of maturity that i think comes um, to be when you're when you're starting your own business and, and you realize that you need people so of course yeah no absolutely people team you know, product market fit etc i want to kind of dive into that earlier process you know i can imagine that you and your you and your partner partners um started out with the roadmap, with a specific vision. I can only imagine that that went through several pivots along the way. Can you kind of talk me through what that early uh, adoption process was like, approaching you know, a partner or a POS partner to then commercialize the data? How, how were those conversations? Yeah, I think that that's, um... You know, just kind of sourcing the data, and, and and I guess just to kind of be clear about what we're doing is like our so we're we're you know establishing partnerships in place with people, and then and then we kind of work on a on a revenue share relationship with our our, our data providers, um, and you know that to date has worked out really well, um, you know just for for a number of different reasons, but you know forging those first relationships with people um, are extremely difficult. And I think it's one of these things that depending on who you talk to on the data buying side of things, I think that, that those hard yards um, of, of actually being in a position to build a product is, is something that's discounted um, to a certain extent, um, unless the firms themselves are, are, are actually going out and trying to source data leads themselves. And, and when you talk to those people, they, they're they like, wow, you guys have done a lot. <laughs> and it's pretty impressive um, just by the nature of you know, kind of how much transactional data that we have at, at an early stage, right? And, and, and I guess it's important to say, I mean, we still have a long way to go and we still have got a lot of things on our, our runway that we're, we're, we're working towards, um, you know, getting over the goal line. So, um, yeah, but I guess, you know, kind of circling back to the, the core question is, you know, we were in a good position because we've had some really high level working relationships with our core data providers out of the gate because of our analytics relationship with them. And that continues to this day. So that, that business is still kind of running and we're doing some really interesting things along those, uh, along those lines that can help you know, not only the retailers uh, themselves, but, you know, kind of you know, obviously continue to drive the data expansion. Right. And so then fast forwarding, you know, 2021, you know, current environment, you know, who are some customers that you're working with, both, I guess, on the retail or corporate side, the investment management side? And then what are some of the usage cases that, that folks are finding for, for the data? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so we, on the investment management side, um, are, we've had the best success working with 
uh, systematic firms, um, some, some, some quant firms, because of the data that we have, um, and if you think about kind of just taking a quick sidestep, the, since we're working with the data on the analytics front, it's, it, it's in really good shape, right? Um, and, and, and we know it really well. Um, and so what we've been able to do is deliver a product that's, you know, quote unquote, quant friendly, ready to go, um, machine readable, et cetera. And, you know, that's kind of, kind of, I guess, mitigated a lot of potential pain points from, from a um, client perspective. Um, the data is, you know, we haven't gotten any real complaints about um, kind of data structure or any, any of that stuff. So, you know, I mean, obviously there's a lot, of, lot to unpack as it relates to when a firm asks for, you know, raw transactional data and then we give it to them. Um, you know, it, it turns out that they didn't really want raw because, uh, you know, I mean, we, we go from UPC to brand, to corporation, um, and then, you know, obviously to, uh, you know, security ISIN. Uh, as far as this kind of mapping goes. And, you know, that's like a real pain point for our, for our customers is, is UPC mapping, product mapping. Um, and you know, we spent a lot of time and energy way back when and, and continue to do so uh, as it relates to maintaining clear product mapping through time that's point in time accurate. Um, and, and that is a major, major pain point on, on, uh, for our clients. Got it. Sure. And so, you know, you know, as I as I think about process, which I want to jump into, um, you know, you guys have a great product. There's interests. You've established product market fit. You know, I, I would say on the investment management side, what makes the business challenging to commercialize the data? Is it is it sales cycle? Is it the, you know, the you know erroneous sort of you know ninety to one hundred and twenty day uh, process that quant funds take to evaluate the data, price sensitivity, all of the above, et cetera? Yeah, I would say yes. <laughs> yes, to all those things. You know, it's, 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 it's you know, this, you know, this landscape well, right? Um, there's a lot of data assets that are out there. Um, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't participate in a lot of the new data uh, conference last week, but there was some, some, some talking points that I, you know, felt that I needed to vet out with um, some clients earlier this week. And, you know, in the sense that I think the stat was that there were 1700 data providers um, that are now kind of out there in the ecosystem, um, which is a lot, right? And so that's that's going to be a challenge as, as you're fighting for precious resources on um, the evaluation side. Right. Um, so that's, that's, that's kind of one thing. But, you know, with, that, with, with all that said, it, it all kind of evens itself out, right? I mean, you know, kind of getting back to the use case question, um, you know, if somebody cares about the, the consumer packaged goods sector, you know, they can utilize our data assets to answer really complicated questions, either on a one-off basis or systematically, right? And to date, we've had success with people on the systematically answering the question. The challenge that we have is, um, you know, kind of continuing our development as it relates to addressing the broader marketplace, which is kind of more of a discretionary fund um, aspect of things. And, you know, we kind of have a roadmap as, as, as it relates to addressing the kind of 85% of the, uh, the market that's out there that's kind of more discretionary focused. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of, you know, data provider pain points, um, you know, they're, they're all of the above, right? I mean, it's, if, if you are fortunate enough to engage in a trial with somebody and, you know, you thought it was going to be 90 days and next thing you know, it's seven months later, you're still having a conversation with them. 
I mean, that's part of, it just kind of comes with the territory, unfortunately, sure. right? Because because internal processes change, like what's important to somebody, um, you know, people, life happens, right? People move, uh, people get sick, people have babies, they disappear, right? People get <laughs> divorced. I mean, all these kind of different things that, that can potentially mitigate a, a trial that's underfoot. So, um, yeah, you know. absolutely. I mean, I, I was gonna, I was gonna even say seven months and, you know, one should only be so lucky more like, you know, 15 to 18 months in some cases. Right? Yeah, that too. That too. I mean, I, ironically, we, um, you know, not to, to overshare, but, you know, so when we had first launched our product in, um, like, literally, it was November of 2018, we, we, we were fortunate enough to have, um, you know, some interest in, in, our, in our, our product at, a, at an early, early stage. And, you know, we, we just inked deals with two of those people that, you know, we've been talking to now for an extended period of time, right? So, um, just kind of one of those things that it, it takes time and patience and, and you know, you've got to, you have to understand that the, the, the buy side, whether it's a data sourcer or whoever, I mean, they're, they're ultimately trying to do their job. Um, and then, you know, they're, they're, they're not stringing you along just to string you along. Right. Sure. So, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of different moving parts, right. You know, yeah. fed, fed meeting could come up, something gets said, markets shift, dynamic change. Um, yeah. Priorities, right. Priorities internally change. That's another key thing. So especially with COVID as it relates to transactional data, um, you know, people are trying to, whether it's the respective risk management teams are kind of trying to take an evaluation from a different kind of perspective on, on what a data asset is potentially telling them. Um, but I, I just think we're still in the early, early days, you know, not to be cliche, and, and it's been covered a, a lot of different times, but, you of know, course. first inning, you know, we're still in the warmups, whatever. Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of, um, you know, kind of tailwinds. Absolutely. Look, you said something earlier around consumer packages, um, with the focus being there, sort of problem solving, you know, when you typically are having meetings, you know, what are some of the consistent themes that if you were proactively pitching to folks on the other side of the desk in terms of how they can use the product, what are some of the usage cases that you, Chris, personally, you, Chris Antipa, personally have conviction on that will help them unlock either a new idea or help them think through an idea better across consumer packages with your data. What is that? Is it a specific company, brand, a theme, a trend? Yeah, I mean, I, it's definitely, it's, it's. I mean, we've seen, it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, um, there's there's been times where, I mean, I can give you a, a very clear cut example, right? Sure. Um, there was some time in, uh, last year where we had five independent inquiries about the, basically the same thing, right? And, you know, there was a new energy drink being launched and uh, somebody wanted to have some visibility into a private brand competitor of that uh, monster energy product right and so we had a number of different discretionary funds that kind of reached out and said hey listen what kind of visibility can you give us into the sales trajectory of this particular brand launch right and so i mean very clear-cut example of hey you know here is um a product that's being launched and the way products are launched is a lot of times they, they get kind of rolled out on a regional basis. Um, and so if we're fortunate sure. enough to have that data covered in our universe, um, then, then uh, you know, we, we can provide some really, really clear visibility into that. So, and that's kind of like one of the things that's important to us as far as a geographic diversity and kind of expansion of our data assets, we kind of continue, you know, we capture right now about 
five and a half, six percent of um, you know kind of transaction volume in the U.S. on a retail grocery side of things, um, and across sixteen states. So you know, as, as we kind of expand that coverage, then we have a, a broader diversity of, of touch points into that set example, right? Where maybe something launched in, in Washington State, and, you know, we didn't have data there, for example. But um, for all intents and purposes, we have really high visibility data into great this particular brand, this particular UPC of an underlying brand has got some sort of uh, trajectory growth. And we've seen interest from private equity firms along those lines um, where they're, they're, they have a very targeted view um, something that they want to, to have uh, insights in, right? I mean, stepping back, our core mission is to provide insights to changes in consumer behavior. And that kind of is fairly consistent across our expanding catalog of data assets. Gotcha. Um, I, want to, uh, I want to shift gears a bit. Uh, this morning, I saw a note um, published by John Farrell at 90 West Data um, from his news, uh, from his newsletter that said, uh, you know, as software and technology continues to evolve, you know, across our alternative data industry, the role of data scientists will change as a result of that. And I wanted to flip the scenario, which is, as software and technology continue to help unfold uh, and create, um, you know, scale across our across our industry. How do you think that changes the role for folks who are focused on a revenue-facing, um, you know, driving, um, you know, value proposition? Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, first of all, John is is, is generous by putting that that note out, and, and, and I read it. And so, you know, the tip of the hat to, to John for you know providing that service uh, to everyone for sure. Um, yeah, no, I mean, listen, the, the market is going to change. It's going to kind of evolve, um, you know, services and, you know, kind of the overall marketplace are in flux and there's a lot of different things going on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, it's, you know, I, I guess I can just say we'll take, take a wait and see kind of, um, perspective on that. Um, you know, as, as it relates to, you know, steps forward, I mean, clearly, you know, places like. Amazon data exchange and whatnot, they're going to play a larger role. At least we, we're, we kind of have the opinion that, you know, firms like that are going to play a larger role in kind of the overall foreseeable future, um, just because they've got the scale and resources to kind of, kind of stay stay in it for, for the long run. And, and not to mention, they've got a, a pretty good uh, calling card list of clients that they work with on a daily basis, right? So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's we're we're in flux on a lot of different things, and, and and I guess we'll just kind of take it one step at a time. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think I think technology. There's a number of, of platforms out there that will help people better storytell and try to you know help people understand you know how data you know can can ultimately help improve the process um, that they have, and as a result of that, you know that that leads to. You know, identifying better companies, you know, generating alpha, becoming a better stock picker, you know, understanding changing ties with various, you know, backdrops. So it'll be interesting to see how things play out. But I think people uh, on the front line, sort of driving the revenue and commercial conversations will have, you know, the, the ability to utilize technology um, you know, to help them better storytell and help them, you know, connect the dots, 
you know, not just across their product, but coupling things together as well. Um, yeah, for just to just to tag tag one thing onto that is is you know I mean again we're depending on your data assets that you have um, yeah you know, I mean there's larger addressable markets and, and I think everybody's just trying to and you know they've been covered right obviously the the you know the corporate buying market is 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 a massive opportunity in this particular sector as is the um, you know kind of the ad tech space um, and and as it relates to shifts in regulation or perception. I mean, those things are all going to be driving forces, at least what I'm concerned. This is kind of going, but thought thought process going back to that person that's like thinking about creating an all data business. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different opportunity that 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 is going to be in front of you the more people you talk to. Sure. Anything, anything specifically about the industry when you think about it that really excites you? Um, you know, I just think that the trajectory of growth is exciting. Right. There's a lot of different things. There's a, everyone's got different, um, you know, insight. They can bring something different to the table. And, and I think that, you know, if, if, if you take a step back and in, in, uh, some of the commentary that came out last week about uh, from Millennium um, about the, you know, kind of changing landscape in, in alt data, uh, it's sure. going to be about the process internally to people. And so, um, you know, I just think that there's a lot to be excited about kind of moving forward. And, you know, whether you're dealing with investment management, if you can build a product for the investment management vertical, that product is going to be portable to other people. That's kind of the way we view the world, just from the standpoint of, you know, you've got a very discerning buyer, um, the smartest of the smart, uh, and, and they operate in tough environments, right? So it's, it's to be excited about kind of facing off against that audience of a buyer. Uh, it just ultimately makes your product better and you better overall as, as, you, as you further your understanding uh, of, of kind of the ecosystem that's out there. So, sure, sure absolutely. Um, so I can I can imagine you know as we as we start to sort of migrate back to the way things were to a certain extent, um, you know, conferences, roadshows, meetings. Um, you know, if you if you were thinking through. Um, gosh, it would be great to sit down with this person who I either know directly or, or, or have passed by at some of these conferences, have lunch with them, kind of kick the tires, talk about how we could work together, strategic partnerships, whatever that may be. I think there's some, some really cool things that we could unpack and unfold from that. You know, any, any specific people come to mind um, that you've been you know, wanting to sort of explore those types of uh, endeavors or conversations with? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, on the client side of things, I mean, we'll just keep that under wraps. Um, but just on, even on the, um, like you, like a guy like you, I would love to sit down and, you know, unfortunately it didn't work out to connect with you when I was in earlier the week, but like, you just never know where those conversations, um, where those conversations go. So um, yeah, I just think that, that yes, there's, you know, tremendous opportunities. People are itching to, 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 interact with everyone again. Um, and, you know, we'll, 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 we'll see as a, as a West coast guy that maybe doesn't spend enough time in New York city. Um, and maybe this is just me being super excited coming back from, from my trip earlier in the week and, and a lot of opportunity that was kind of presented. Um, you know, I just, I just think that it needs to happen more often and people need to see each other and there's things change exponentially when you, you have a meeting in person. Um, so at least that's my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because sometimes I tend to think when, I, when I'm when i at the conferences and you're packing in, you know, 12 to 15 meetings a day, 
you know, sometimes also equally of value are those kind of one-off, you know, meetings that I'm having in the hallway where I just randomly bump into someone and we kind of, um, you know, shoot the shit for, you know, two minutes or so. Um, Those interactions are are equally as, uh, as valuable as, uh, and important, you know, across our industry. Yeah. No, I think that, you know, one of the things that it's an interesting sidebar to, um, the whole, you know, kind of change in landscape right now, uh, at least with the conferences being virtual. Um, some of, some of that dating one-on-one speed dating type thing. I mean, that is actually better suited for a, um, follow-up call anyway, like realistically. And so maybe there's, there's the chance that that becomes like a hybrid approach where you have great, you've got your 15 minute speed dating session. Um, but that becomes just more of a high level introduction instead of the, the race to, um, you know, just tell everybody about how great your baby is, uh, and not necessarily get a chance to listen about their baby at all. Um, For sure. you know, it's just yeah. one of those things, you know? Yeah. I, well, you know, one of the things I find that people do at those conferences is, you know, kind of, you know, to your point, it's, it's right off the gate. Here's what we do. Here's how great we are. Here's how we can help you, you know, generate alpha. And, you know, it, it I think it's, a very clear cut different direction. It's, it's more about, you know, talk to me about your process. What's your why? What are you trying to problem solve for? How do we fit into that process? And you really have to understand that, you know, this is going to take time, you know, and it's an co- ongoing conversation that needs to continuously unfold slowly, methodically, and eventually you'll get there. Whatever yeah. the duration, whatever the duration of time is, six months, you know, nine months, 18 or so, that's par for the course, right? Um, you know, the, the guys that do it well, are the ones that are in the course uh, and drive that process through from start to finish. So yeah, for sure. Um, absolutely. Look, I, I'm, you know, you know, obviously knowing what you know now about the industry, about how the product, you know, has been received, about where you want to take things. If you could redo things over, just kind of, you know, peel back, go back, and, and kind of come out with, um, you know, the ideas that you're thinking about now, execute, implement, you know, what would you do over? How would you sort of reposition uh, the company conversations, you know, that would, uh, that would, may, may change or may not change uh, the, uh, the trajectory? Yeah, no, that's a good question, you know, and, and I think, I mean, some of this uh, I've, I've covered a little bit already, but just in the sense of like, be passionate about what you're doing. Um, be excited about it and don't be afraid to talk to people because you're going to learn the more conversations that you have. If you're fortunate enough to engage with somebody that's kind of, you know, quite honestly, you know, think about some of these um, data buyers that are out there. They talk to a gazillion people, right? Sure. So if you can, if you're fortunate enough to be in a position where you can engage in some proactive dialogue, you're going to learn a ton. So just don't be afraid to, um, you know, kind of share or, you know, to a certain extent oversharing, obviously within, within reason. Um, yeah. So there, there, there's that aspect. Of, I mean, I guess in hindsight, if, if I was to do it all over again, I probably, we probably wouldn't have launched our early product. Um, but it's, it's hard to say, right. Cause we, we learned so much by doing that, that, you know, is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? So we basically sure. have two, two iterations of our, our, our core data asset on the POS side. It's called Odyssey. And so we had launched originally an Odyssey One product, which had one retailer, you know, that had a, a really heavy Midwestern uh, footprint, but it just didn't have the store count that we needed to, um, you know, kind of attract a, a more sophisticated data buyer. And so once we launched Odyssey Two, 
but we've added another four retailers and now subsequently we've added additional retailers to that pool and you know kind of changes things you know it's it's i guess take the step first step forward is probably the best advice that i would give myself and then also just be super excited and not afraid to talk to people in your network um, that that may be in a position to to help you because realistically people i think you want to you want to people want to be helpful in general um, at least that's kind of the way the way the way i view the world um, and it's 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 an overall positive aspect of things so sure sure i want to i want to flip the role a little bit um i want to i want to put you in the position of of an analyst at some of these conferences that you've been at knowing what you know about your data the utility usage case value add um you know blind side visibility that you guys are helping you know people um sort of gauge better what's the conversation like when you go back to your portfolio manager on why deca data and how do you convince the pm that the cost of the subscription is warranted yeah well that's a great question so the, the first thing that i would say about our data product, it's, it's, it's one of the things, I guess I shouldn't say it's the first, but one of the a core things that I think get, gets under appreciated to a certain extent is like delivery. Um, and it, until there's a problem, like you really don't think about it, um, but we've delivered data on a daily basis within the same 30 second window since we've basically automated our process over, um, I mean, I guess it's a year and a half ago this stage of the game. So that means we haven't missed a delivery date. We haven't missed a window, anything. And that for firms that have an automated process for kind of inboarding their data, it's, it's a big deal. Naturally, <laughs> but, like, and it, but nobody ever talks about it. <laughs> it, it, it it's, it's, it's an incredible, um, it's an incredible accomplishment. You know, the, it, it's not just the data and the signal, it is the delivery of the data. Um, and the fact that you're doing it on a daily basis speaks to speaks to volumes as well. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's kind of one of the, the, the quick things. I mean, as, as it relates to CPG data. So if we're if I was a discretionary analyst and I'm going back to my PM to try to justify buying this data, it's it's like what's important today might not be what's important tomorrow. But we cover the entire ecosystem for, for, for the most part. Um, you know, we have 400 and. 400 plus globally traded securities that we cover in our core data asset. And that doesn't even include, you know, other stuff like gift cards and all this other kind of stuff that there's like another 120 companies where somebody was trying to like drive an alpha signal of how many, you know, Nike gift cards that were being sold. I mean, you could do it and we just kind of provide that data. Um, so I would say that just because you're, what's you're immediately looking at in front of you is not, Maybe it's it's not there, but like what changes down the road? So um, great, you know, like I said, I gave you an example of, of the, the monster energy drink. You know, another popular thing is the the um, you know hard seltzer market, for example, right? The meatless product market. These things all change, right? When Beyond Meats was going public, we had a lot of interest in our data asset because we could provide visibility into that IPO before it took place. Right. So in real time. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's incredibly insightful 
um, you know, helpful, timely as well, you know, for, 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 for any, any investor, um, you know, trying to, trying to understand predictability of, uh, you know, of a market trajectory, et cetera. I want to, I want to, I just just to add one thing, just funny on the Beyond Meats, you know, and, and you know, we were just trying to figure this out, right, at the same time. And, and I called a, a, an analyst that we were um, trying to uh, engage with and said, hey, do you guys care about Beyond Meats? Because they're going public and, you know, we've got this data. He said they were just in our office 35 minutes ago. And it's just <laughs> like, you just never know. I mean, I think he might have been like scratching his head, but um, yeah. it's just kind of funny. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's those kind of things do come up, you know, where, you know, so, sometimes even your, even your level of, gosh, the, the, uh, the access that these, uh, that these guys have, uh, have at their fingertips is pretty astonishing, right? Oh, so, for sure, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, look, this has been, this has been, you know, incredible conversation so far. I want to, I want to shift gears. I want to talk a little shop, um, you know, with you a little bit. Um, you know, naturally, we, we went through this, you know, pretty challenging time with the pandemic. Um, you know, curious to know sort of, you know, what you do, what did you do during the pandemic, you know, yourself personally to, you know, keep fit, stay sane, etc. Yeah, I, I scooped a Peloton like right in February before everything got locked down. That was, uh, that was a lifesaver for my household. Um, everybody was... Uh, engaged with the peloton uh, you know street still alive uh, that kind of thing so that that, that was a, a, a great toolkit um that was it was added to the, the household unfortunately i had just started doing some brazilian jiu-jitsu like right before everything started and you know obviously not a, not a great idea to do jiu-jitsu in the, of, uh, the coronavirus but you know having started that back up now um it's been it's been a, a, a great stress relief slash um, you know extra different kind of exercise so wow. game changer awesome. yeah jujitsu that sounds that sounds pretty awesome um yeah. naturally a lot of people are looking forward to vacations travel you know getting things uh you know getting back on a plane seeing some really great cities and places you know, what's a, what's a city outside of the U.S. that you, you know, have either been to that you really enjoy looking forward to getting back to or a place that you've wanted to scratch off for some time that you think you're, you, you might consider? Yeah, I mean, well, listen, I, we love traveling as a, as a family. Um, feel fortunate to have been to a lot of great places um, and, and, you know, just on the revisit side. I don't, I don't think you can spend enough time in London um, in general. I mean, London's pretty, pretty awesome. Um, so looking forward to kind of that there. And then just kind of on a broader side, I mean, we're very fortunate to have been to uh, South Africa. And I mean, I, I would love to go back there for an extended period of time. And then, you know, Obviously, Europe, Italy, Spain. I mean, you yeah. go wrong. Greece. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm not sure if, if people spent a lot of time in London, but they've got a, a great sort of culinary scene there. There's some fantastic places uh, places to eat. Um, have South Africa, another place to, uh, you know, sort of scratch off. But I've only heard these pretty incredible things about the, about that uh, that region of the world. So looking this, forward to the smiles on people's faces are, are, are real. So, um, and just engage with them. It's, it's, it's awesome. So. Yeah. Um, now you're a guy that's kind of on the street, you know, obviously we're kind of some very interesting times, you know, around, uh, around the, the sort of trading environments, you know, sort of curious to get your, get your take. If you were, if you were 
um, you know, placing a bet, you know, short-term bet, let's just call it next 30, 30 to 60 days. Um, are you putting your money on GME or, or Bitcoin? Well, considering, um, you know, my crypto portfolio was, uh, was, was doing great, was, uh, was, was great. I mean, I think, you know, Bitcoin, if you listen to the pundits, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different views. Um, is it worthless or is it worth, you know, 250,000? Um, you know, I just think that there's a lot of evolution that's in flight there. So I'm, I'm, I'm a buyer. Um, I'm a buyer here. I, I was a buyer lower, luckily. Um, so that that worked worked itself out pretty well, uh, but you know again gains gains uh, they're not a gain until you make a sale. So, and then GME, I mean, listen, it's that's a whole different phenomenon, I and mean, that's going to be uh, business case uh, studies galore coming out of that, and just how you um, you can run over the marketplace, right? So, um, absolutely. I, mean, I don't know who's paying to on, on the fundamental side of things. I mean, I don't know how you can make a fundamental case to, to um, be purchasing this thing right now, but like, that's, you know, that's not for me, that's for the experts. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm working for a living. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Um, curious to get your thoughts, you know, over, over the, uh, the pandemic, I spent some time, you know, sort of identifying some new shows uh, across Netflix, some, some which have been, you know, pretty, pretty great to, uh, to stumble upon. Um, any specific uh, Netflix show that that you love or would recommend people check out? Ah, man, that's a good one. I'm terrible with the names, but there was like so so many of these. Um, well, first of all, that Ted Lasso. I mean, not Netflix, but um, Apple TV, and I think they're just launching their second season, and that was pretty enjoyable, uh, at least from my perspective, because it kind of just tied a little a little bit of everything uh, into the into the the stream. So. Um, yeah, there's, there, there's just too many and depending on what genre you like, right. Um, you know, whether it's, uh, star Wars, you got that check the box, um, or, or some of the, the, uh, English dramas that are, that are on show. I think what was there was one called the stranger that we really liked. That was, uh, yeah, I saw that. So yeah. It was UK based, right? Yeah. UK yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 That was interesting. Well, my partner, Doug is from the UK. So, you know, we get all these recommendations and it's coming. From, from that ecosystem right. so, yeah. yeah there was there was one that i stumbled across um called the queen's gabbit it was uh oh yeah that was good too yeah 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 that was pretty awesome um so you know naturally we're kind of in summer it's gonna be a lot of rooftop events you know happy hours etc what's uh what's your drink of choice these days uh, drink of choice these days is, is I mean, especially, um, you know, there in New York City on the rooftop. I mean, you can't beat the Aperol Spritz, right? Um, although I would say recommend getting a reservation for those um, rooftops because I had a tough time uh, getting up there myself this last week. But yeah, you know, Aperol Spritz, is, it's, you, can't, you can't complain with that day drinking there. So absolutely. Um, and then Chris, lastly, you know, as uh, as we kind of wrap things up here, um, you know, where where do you see the company in the next um, in the next two to three years, short term, as you guys continue to, you know, execute, you know, pivot, drive the business forward, you know, have, you know, great success with you all of your exploratory conversations and meetings. You know, where do you see things sort of unfolding, you know, in the next two or three years for you guys? 
Um, you know, I think we continue to have a diversified catalog of data assets, right? So, I mean, our core products in the CPG space, we just launched a hotel product um, to a beta group of the customers where we're triangulating on um, hotel occupancy across Europe um, through, through a provider that, that, that we've got a relationship through. Actually, we got introduced from a, um, from a fund, um, which was, that was awesome. Um, and, and we've got a uh, UK mortgage data product. So all focused around changes in consumer behavior, right? And that's the key, the key linchpin, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, fast forward, I think we've got a, a bigger team. Um, I think we've got some, some people that hopefully we are uh, able to onboard and attract from, you know, maybe a buy side role, um, I mean, whether it's a, a data science person or an analyst there where we can kind of like maybe take things to a more discretionary market um, in a very targeted way. Um, so yeah, and no, I think we're gonna, you know, kind of grow on the, on the headcount front. Um, and then, you know, obviously from a, a product diversity standpoint, um, because, you know, like we said, I mean, there's, you know, most of these conversations that we're talking about all data are focused around the investment management community um, currently, but, you know, as I mentioned, the corporate market is, is, is massive. Um, and, and as our data asset grows, I think that's gonna become more attractive in, in that area. Um, and then also, you know, ad tech, I mean, there's just a lot going on about privacy and changes and uh, you know, kind of visibility into uh, consumer behavior there is, I think, uh, paramount. Fantastic, Chris. Well, Chris, this, is, um, this has been an amazing conversation. Thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this. I've really enjoyed the, uh, the conversation today. Um, and you're now officially part of the uh, ADN community. So we will um, we'll continue. Stay in touch. Wishing you, um, you know, sort of all the best, and um, look forward to uh, to doing this again at some point in the future. We're definitely going to have to get a uh, a future episode together once uh, once you guys kind of unpack things um, and you know move the move the business forward over the next year. Yeah, I really appreciate it, um, Aubrey, and um, you know, obviously, again, everything that you're kind of doing to educate people and and um, you know, quite honestly, help help folks out. Um, so we we appreciate your um, your interest in, in, in doing that with us. And, uh, you know, obviously look forward to kind of seeing you in person. Um, and and we'll, we'll, I'll hit you up offline to, to, to set that up next time I'm in New York. That sounds great. Thanks, Chris. All right. Thank you so much. Hey guys, if you found this episode helpful, useful, and you enjoyed the content, you know, make sure to follow us on all the appropriate channels, subscribe to the cast, and leave a positive review it really helps us continue to grow, you know, put out amazing content and it helps other people in the industry, you know, find the platform and the channel as well so that we can continue to grow and keep putting out, you know, fresh related news and content every day. Until the next time, this is ADN, providing alternative data news always in all ways. <laughs>